Well, college basketball is officially back, and that means it is hot take season. Here are my three hot takes about this Gonzaga team. We're also going to hear listener-submitted hot takes for us to grade as well, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app today and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. All right, folks, it is Thursday. It is Andy Locks for those of you who are new to the podcast, and in this case, new means any time in the last six or seven months, because I think the last time that we did an Andy Locks segment was during the the last basketball season. This is a segment suggested by a listener, Christian, via Gmail. Uh, he suggested that we do a Goldilocks-themed hot take segment where folks submit hot takes. I grade them too hot, too cold, or just right, and that's what we're going to do in the second and third segment for today's episode. But first... I figure if I'm going to ask you guys to submit your hot takes and I'm going to grade them and let you know what I think about them, it's only fair that you hear the hot takes that I have about this team. I've done some bold predictions podcasts throughout the offseason, but now that we're here, now that we've seen one game, now that we have a bit of a better sense of what the lineup rotations are going to look like, I'm going to hit you with three hot takes here to kick off the show. We're just going to get right into it. The first hot take You all know I love my Anton Watson, so we're going to start there. Anton Watson posts career bests in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks per game. That is a nuclear hot take to get things going here. Anton Watson, of course, is in his fourth season, so there are plenty of numbers to increase on for him to hit this hot take. His career highs in those categories, respectively, are 7.3 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.6 blocks per game. His career high in minutes is about 19. It's worth noting that in Gonzaga's first game against North Florida, Anton Watson played 24 minutes. If he were to average that throughout the season, which I think is probably on the high end of where he is going to be, I think it's very, very possible, likely even that he would top most of these numbers uh, just by virtue of being on the basketball court more, but... I think as the season goes on, we'll see more of Julian Strother in that small ball four role. Maybe we'll see more Ben Gregg. Maybe we'll see more of the Efton Reed, Drew Timmy double big lineup. We saw a little bit of that against North Florida. So ultimately, I think Watson could end up creeping back down in the 20-21 minutes per game role, maybe even closer to that 19 that he posted as a career high last year. So in that case, he's going to need to improve on every single category in order to hit these numbers. He scored 10 points, had four boards, four assists, and five steals. In the first game of the season, he did not record a block, but 10 points would be a career high. Four rebounds is just below uh, his career high of 4.7. Four assists, obviously a career high. Five steals is the most he's ever had in a single game. He's clearly not going to do that all that often, but a really good start to him potentially averaging more than his career high currently, which is 1.3. I know there's been some criticism about Anton Watson in the past and, and how he performs in big games versus 
not as big games. And certainly we have to see that. We have to see what he can do against Kentucky and Michigan State and Baylor and Alabama and all of those games. But by and large, the coaching staff clearly trusts him to have a significant role on this roster. Uh, He looks very much improved. He looked improved in the exhibition games. He looked improved in the North Florida game. He looks in the best shape of his career physically, just the way he's moving around right now. He's more active. He kind of seems to be more engaged in the offense. In the past, he kind of just didn't do a lot offensively and wasn't really asked to do a lot offensively, but I think that that we're starting to see that role increase for him. There's more opportunities for him to go get his own shot, to go hunt out his own rebound, and to be more of a facilitator. Uh, And all of that should create situations where we see him doing more uh, with those offensive categories. Beyond that, if he's doing more offensively, he's going to get more playing time. If he gets more playing time, the odds of him getting more steals, more blocks, and potentially uh, being in a situation where he sets career highs across the board. Uh, Again, it's a hot take for a reason, but I don't think it's crazy to think that he could at least challenge to to break every one of his individual records in his fourth season in a Gonzaga uniform. Number two, second hot take for Andy here is Zags beat Kentucky. Zags win the PK-85, but they still have two losses before Christmas. This is a pretty, a pretty detailed hot take here, but I think we'll start with the first part. I, There's too much at stake to lose to Kentucky. I think Gonzaga is going to win that Kentucky game. It's been a a heated rivalry, a point of contention among the fan base about where the game is being played. Uh, I think Kentucky is a extraordinarily talented team, but they are also a young team and they are currently dealing with some banged up players. Severe Wheelie Wheeler, excuse me, and Oscar Shibway are both dealing with injuries. I think they're both going to be back in time for that Kentucky game, or at least it seems to be trending in that direction. But I still think that You're going to have a team that doesn't have a lot of cohesion, that hasn't played a lot of minutes together. A lot of the other players on Kentucky's roster are freshmen, Chris Livingston, Cason Wallace, really talented freshmen, some of the best in the entire country, but they're going to be playing one of their first full real games alongside teammates like Wheeler and Shibway against Gonzaga, a really, really good team. One of the best teams, if not the best team that Kentucky is going to play this season. And they're playing a lot of good teams this year. So for me, I just think there's a perfect storm of it's going to be a a packed house. Yeah, there's going to be some Kentucky fans there since it's at the arena, but I think it's still going to be a packed house. It's going to be a a madhouse of Gonzaga fans going nuts in that place. Kentucky is going to be playing one of their first games together as a full unit. Gonzaga has a ton of experience. They're going to lean real heavily on the big fella, of course, Drew Timmy. And I think there's a really, really good situation where Gonzaga wins that game. Winning the PK-85 is really, really hard. And in some ways, it's kind of just about being hot at the right time and kind of peaking uh, and playing a couple good games in a row. But Gonzaga has the depth and the experience to really be a team that that challenges for this championship. Certainly, Duke's going to be in that conversation. Certainly, there are other teams that could be in that conversation as well. But for Gonzaga, they have the kind of depth where you don't have to play your, you know, you don't have to play your starters 35 minutes in the first two games. You certainly don't have to do it against Portland State. Hopefully, they have the ability to not have to play those guys too much in game two so they can be ready to roll in that championship on Sunday. Having said that, winning the PK-85, extraordinary, would be a huge accomplishment for this program. Beating Kentucky, of course, would be a phenomenal accomplishment as well. It's hard to look at that and think this team's still going to have some losses. But even outside of those games, you have Texas on the road. 
You have Alabama on the road. Not a true road game, but in Birmingham. You have Baylor at a neutral site. You have Michigan State in a really wonky situation on Friday. All of those are quote-unquote losable games. I do not think Gonzaga will lose all of them, but as I have said in this hot take, I think it's pretty possible they lose two of them. Baylor's really, really, really good. They're going to be really, really tough on Gonzaga. Gonzaga beat Texas handily last time, but it is not going to be as easy to beat them this time. Alabama obviously beat Gonzaga last time. This is a very new team, a very young team. I think that's a more winnable game, but Gonzaga does have them later in the season when they're later in the non-conference season, I should say, December 17th. So enough time for the Crimson Tide to have potentially gelled a little bit more. And Michigan State, Gonzaga's a better team than Michigan State. I don't think there's much debate there, uh, but these kind of games are really wonky and and a poor shooting performance or anything like that could kind of uh, tip the scales in another direction. So I think there's a possibility that Gonzaga obviously comes out of this non-conference slate with less than two losses. I think it's possible they come out with more than two losses too, Uh, but I'm I'm staking my claim here that some of the games that are the most losable, like Kentucky and the PK-85, are the ones that they win, but they get picked off in a couple other games as well. Finally, my last hot take uh, is not about Gonzaga specifically, but it's about BYU. BYU is not a top five team in the WCC. Yeah, it's a bit of slander here on the Cougars in their final season in the West Coast Conference. Uh, For starters, Gonzaga St. Mary's clearly ahead. No debate there. Uh, So that puts them at best three. San Diego just beat Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast is maybe not an elite program, but guess what? In their first game of the season, they beat USC. So that is a nice win for Steve Lavin's squad to be able to go out there and do that. Eric Williams, the Oregon transfer, had 19-12 and for USD. I think that they got themselves a pretty solid program. Pepperdine looked exceptional against Rice. I'm not sure that they're necessarily top five right away, but Maxwell Lewis and Houston Millette are two of the best players in this conference without a doubt. I think they could be in that conversation. And then you have the Pilots and the Dons from San Francisco. Both are going to be in that conversation as well. The main kicker here is the fact that BYU just looked god-awful against Idaho State. They lost... Six or they won sixty to fifty six. I think was the final score. Uh, they they don't have a, a killer instinct guard. They don't have an Alex Barcelo sharpshooter. They just they don't seem to have much of an identity on offense. Hence sixty points against a Ken Palm three hundred plus team in Idaho State. Uh, Fusini Traore, excuse me, is very very talented. He's their young post player uh, and he's going to put up some monster numbers this year. But I don't think they have the guard depth to be a significant contributor this year. And I think there's a couple other schools in the WCC that could pick him off and. We could be looking at a final year for for BYU and the WCC uh, where they finish 6th or 7th and kind of limp to the finish line before heading out to the Big 12. All right, folks, you heard my hot takes. There they are. Now it's time to hear yours. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. The app is crazy easy to use, and there's no catch. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's part of why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED 
to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. That's five or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using code LOCKED. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And I want to sincerely thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're talking listener-submitted hot takes here for Andy Locks. Again, the the premise here is you submit hot takes. I grade them too hot, too cold, just right. Yep, it's like Goldilocks. We changed the name. Hat to hat trip to Christian for coming up with the idea. Uh, just to clarify on too hot, too cold, just right. Uh, just right means it's a good hot take. It doesn't necessarily mean I think that it's going to happen. It means that that's, yeah, that's a hot take. That's a good hot take. Too hot means like, well, that's that's a bit out there. And too cold means eh, it's actually pretty likely to happen. Just want to put the caveat out there before we pr- proceed. This first hot takes comes from Havila Benjamin on Twitter, who says, Nolan Hickman will play between 20 and 23 minutes per game at the point card position and no more. I assume this is referring to his like actual average minutes, not that he will never, ever play more than 23 minutes in a single game. That would probably be too hot. I think there's just so many variables that uh, it's impossible to predict that he would never do that. Uh, Hickman played 22 minutes against North Florida, so I think this is pretty likely. I'll say just right as a hot take, but I think that it's it's almost too cold. I think he's kind of in that 20 to 23 minute range feels about right. We're going to see a lot of minutes from Rasir Bolton playing the point guard. I think we're potentially going to see some more of the Hunter Salas point guard experiment, which seemed to go well uh, against North Florida. Perhaps Malachi Smith will play some minutes at the one as well. Uh, so there's plenty of options. I, I think they're not going to rely on Hickman the way that they relied on Nemhard last year, where he played like 32, 33 minutes per game. Uh, so I do think a role closer to the 20 minute per range is, is within the realm of, of likelihood for Nolan Hickman. Next hot takes comes from Matt Goldblum at Goldblum M on Twitter, who says, due to a more balanced offense or to opponents scheming to make someone other than Timmy beat us, Drew Timmy will have the lowest average points per game since his freshman year, but set a career high for assists. I love this hot take. I don't know that it's particularly likely Drew Timmy is gunning real hard for a national player of the year. He cares more about winning. I know that. He knows that. Mark Few knows that. But at the end of the day, he wants to win that dang thing. Uh, However, I don't think this is crazy at all. I think this is actually fairly possible. For him to have his lowest average points per game since his freshman year is anything below 18.4. It's not crazy to me to imagine Drew Timmy averaging like 17.5 points per game and like closer to 3.5 or 4 assists. I think that's possible. I think it's not super likely, but that's why it's a perfectly good hot take. Uh, for him to average his career high in assists, he would need to top 2.8. I think that's pretty likely to happen this year. Like, regardless of what his points per game is, I think his usage rate is just going to be so high, especially now without Chet Holmgren in the mix, that I think he's going to get three, three and a half assists per game. I think his points per game is probably going to be above 18, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was right around there and potentially making this hot take come true. Next one is another one from Matt at Goldbloom M. He says... Due to the elements and conditions of playing on an aircraft carrier, Michigan State will challenge Gonzaga to beat them with a three ball, and Gonzaga will win by hitting better than 40% from deep and at least 10 makes. Ooh, boy. Okay. 
I love the concept. I think Michigan State is absolutely going to do that. Most teams try to make Gonzaga beat them from deep because letting Drew Timmy beat you is just not a good recipe for success. You can ask Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns as they seemed to uh, let Drew Timmy do whatever the hell he wanted last year, and that did not go particularly well. Uh, In this situation, it absolutely 100% makes sense to try to make teams beat you by shooting from deep. I think Gonzaga is going to do the same thing to Michigan State. I think Michigan State is going to do the same thing to Gonzaga. However, I don't think Gonzaga is going to shoot 40% from deep it, and make 10 threes. I just I don't see that as a particularly likely thing. So I'm going to say that this is a little bit too hot, but I also think it's a, it's a solid hot take. It's right in that range of just right uh, to too hot. Um, make I don't think Gonzaga is going to shoot that many threes is, is kind of the issue. To make 10 of them and even shooting over 40%, you got to shoot a lot. you got to shoot a lot of threes, and I just... I think that, that Gonzaga is going to try really hard to, to have a game plan where they're trying to get to the rim the vast majority of the time. I think that's the correct way to handle these kind of games. We'll see what the conditions end up actually looking like on Friday. But for me, I think it's unlikely that either team shoots enough threes to make 10 of them. But certainly, I think those teams are going to try to make each other do that as much as they can. Final take from the second segment here comes from Upper95215 on Twitter, who says... We'll see more than one shot get blown off course from wind at the Armed Forces Classic. Yes, most likely. I think this is just right. Borderline too cold. I think the the hard part about this question is it is subjective uh, from watching it on my TV screen at home. Any shot that looks weird, like any air ball, any shot that hits off the backboard or off a weird spot on the rim is going to be perceived by fans as a shot that was altered by the wind. Without being there, without feeling the wind, without knowing exactly what that situation is, it's going to be hard to to really justify acknowledging whether a shot was altered by the wind or not. But these games have historically had stuff like this. I think slippery floors is, is the bigger concern, like moving around a little bit, just trying to to be as tenacious as, aggress- as aggressive defensively and just trying to, to move on the court and get up and down the court, fast breaks, all that stuff. That's the big, that's the most challenging part. But certainly the farther away you get from the basket, the more likely the elements are to impact your shot. There's no debate there. Hence why these teams are going to try to force each other to beat them from the outside because it's harder to do. It's just more difficult to do in that kind of climate. I think the Zags are going to be, it's going to be a heavy dose of Drew Timmy. It should be a heavy dose of Drew Timmy, uh, pretty much any game, quite frankly, but certainly in this contest as well. I think we will see a, a heavy dose of Efton Reed when he's in the game. I think we'll see a heavy dose of Anton Watson. Uh, they're going to be trying to get the ball in the paint. Heck, maybe we're posting up Malachi Smith. That's a skill set that he has. Uh, whatever we can do to kind of have less attempts away from the rim, but we'll see. Maybe Gonzaga feels confident about their ability to knock down the outside shot. They should. They got plenty of guys. Rasir Bolton's a 45% three-point shooter. Malachi Smith's a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, Julian Strother's a 40% three-point shooter. Like, they got the dudes to do it, but this is maybe not the game to really let it go. Uh, having said all that, will we see a couple shots that look look a little wonky, that look like, oh, that that he thought he was going to make that, and that thing didn't even hit the rim? Yeah, I think that's pretty possible. All right, we got more listener-submitted hot takes to grade, including plenty coming up about Kentucky. But first, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action, and college football and NFL remain in the thick of their seasons. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. 
BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zach, still grading listener submitted hot takes here for Andy Locks. Four more to get through. Three of them come from Jeff via Gmail regarding the Kentucky game. We're going to go through those now. First one from Jeff, he says, the Gonzaga versus Kentucky game will be the biggest non-conference game in all of college basketball for the 22-23 season. Yeah, so obviously this is subjective, so it's a little hard to to grade that there, but we're going to see tons of people put down lists of best non-conference game in, in throughout the season. We've seen a lot of preseason ones that are like predicting what are going to be the best non-conference games. Gonzaga, Kentucky is very frequently first on that list. Gonzaga Baylor is usually pretty high on that list. We of course got Kentucky, Indiana. There's a handful of other outstanding games that are going to happen this season. I would say this is too cold though. I think it's pretty likely with it being a preseason favorite, with both these teams already having a lot of supercharged energy coming into the game, with Drew Timmy talking a little smack at craziness in the kennel about being afraid to play at the kennel, like with Calipari's comments, I think that this game is already coming into it with a lot of energy, a lot of hype, a lot of enthusiasm. And unless it ends in like a complete blowout or if for some reason like Shubway doesn't play and or Drew Timmy doesn't play or something dramatic happens, I think that this is very likely going to be recalled by folks at the end of the season as the best or one of the best games of the non-conference slate. Next one from Jeff. Again, he says the winner of the Gonzaga Kentucky game will be virtually guaranteed to be a number one seed in the 2023 March Madness NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think this is just right. It borders on too cold as well. Both these teams are, again, predicted to kind of be in that conversation already. Uh, a, a win against a program like Kentucky is huge for Gonzaga. A win for Kentucky against a program like Gonzaga is also huge. That's why I think we should encourage more of these games. One of these two teams is going to pick up a really huge victory that's going to help them in their quest to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. One of these two teams is going to pick up a loss that, frankly, won't hurt them that much. You know, for Gonzaga, it's obviously hard to pick up non-conference losses because they don't have the ability to pick up as many high-profile conference wins. You know, they could pick up wins against St. Mary's, but this year in the WCC, that's kind of it, depending on if somebody else really steps up and, and gets into that, like, ranked conversation. But that that does make it harder for Gonzaga, but they have other opportunities. If they lose to Kentucky, but beat Baylor and Alabama, like, that, you know, Baylor, Alabama, and Texas, for example, like, that's going to really put them in a position where they're not going to be you know, Selection Sunday isn't going to be like, well, Gonzaga, you know, beat all these other great non-conference teams, ran through the WCC, but they lost to Kentucky on November 20th. So therefore, like, that's not how it's going to go. And so I think that this is a game that is going to have a lot of sway in terms of the overall seating, just more than most games do, because it's a really, really high profile game. But ultimately, I, I don't think that uh, it's the super hot take to predict that either of these teams end up on the one line, uh, especially if they pick up a really big victory like this one. 
final take from Jeff here again about Gonzaga, Kentucky. He says during the Gonzaga, Kentucky game, the person who plays the best between Drew Timmy and Oscar Shibway will end up being the Wooden Award winner for player of the year. Again, borderline too cold here uh, just because your two front runners right now are Shibway and Timmy for National Player of the Year. It's been discussed that that game is going to have a huge impact on the National Player of the Year conversation. Uh, Shibway being a little bit banged up right now, I think plays a role here. Uh, if he doesn't play particularly well in this game or plays a limited role and Drew Timmy outplays him, but then Shibway gets healthy and runs through the uh, NCAA, or runs through the SEC, runs through the rest of the non-conference slate. I think it could flip the script there a little bit. Uh, having said that, I think Marcus Sasser is a very legitimate contender for National Player of the Year. Uh, certainly Armando Baycott at North Carolina is in that conversation. Uh, beyond that, there's plenty of other players. Jaime Jaquez from U- UCLA, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan, Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. Like There's a lot of players in that conversation. It's very likely, potentially going to come down to Timmy and Shibwe and whoever plays the best is likely going to have uh, to be at that time on November 21st. The player who plays the best in that game is going to be the favorite for national player of the year. Whether they win it remains to be seen, but I don't think it's in a particularly hot take to think that that the player who plays the best is going to be the guy who ends up taking the trophy home at the end of the year. Final hot take from listeners here. This one comes from Goldblum M. Again, Matt says, Timmy will end the season with the second best Gonzaga podcast, second only to Locked on Zags. Well, thank you, my friend. I very much appreciate that. There are a lot of very, very good Gonzaga podcasts out there. So I encourage you all to continue, of course, to listen to Locked on Zags. I appreciate every single one of you for being here. I would thoroughly recommend other Gonzaga podcast as well. Many of you I know dabble in two, three, four, five of the other podcasts out there, which is very, very cool to be able to all kind of share that together. Um, and Drew Timmy's podcast is great. For those of you who haven't listened to the first episode yet, Gimme Timmy is the name. You can find it on socials. You can also presumably find it on Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and all of those other places. Um, and it's it's He's kind of trying to do a Draymond Green type thing. We'll see how that kind of develops as the season goes on. In the first segment, he talked a lot about his game and his style and kind of just who he is as a basketball player, a winner. That was a big way of kind of how he described himself, I think. It's going to be really fun to, to get to see that side of him and kind of see him talking about. He was joking about like how setting up the equipment was one of the hardest parts about podcasting. And of course, as a podcaster, I very much enjoyed kind of that look look back into, into what he's experiencing as he starts this process. So I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's very cool for Drew Timmy. And I think it's cool that he's acknowledged, or at least it was acknowledged, that part of this is like he's angling for a potential career in broadcasting. Uh, clearly, he's going to have a professional basketball playing career first. Uh, but the fact that he's kind of already thinking about, like, what are the next steps? What are the things I want to do with my life? Like, we see a lot of players go into broadcasting. That's pretty common. Uh, but for a player to kind of be already taking steps towards that career at this point is is cool. I mean, it's just cool. It's a cool thing to see him doing that, to see him thinking about that. Uh, it's a testament to who he is as a person. It's a testament to Gonzaga in a way as well. To, I don't know how much they pushed him on this, probably not very much, but to be in an environment where you feel like, you know, looking for those next steps and looking for ways to, to, to better yourself or to at least find your career interest. And obviously for him, it's playing, but he's doing everything he can to keep uh, moving forward in that career too. So for him to also be taking time to move towards uh, the career that he wants to have after playing is, is a really cool thing. And I commend him for that. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Big preview of the Michigan State game coming on Friday's episode. Also, don't forget to check out the new Locked On College Basketball podcast. We're up on YouTube. We're up on all 
podcast platforms. We are also on social media now, so you can check us out there. It is myself, co-host Isaac Shade of Locked on Tar Heels, talking every single thing college hoops five times a week. Check it out wherever you get podcasts. And also, I want to thank you all again for making Locked on Zags your first listen today. For your second listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.